0: We're all familiar with diagnostics. And when, when you go to the doctor uh, through observation, through tests, uh, your, your doctor will often be able to detect a problem or explain, maybe why you have your symptoms, and you know, hopefully, recommend a a, a treatment. You know, that's that's what we hope for, anyway. And uh, sometimes the answer is, well, that's just part of the aging process. You know, that's. Not much we can do about that. And, you know, whenever we power up an electronic device uh, these days, there's a series of self-checks, diagnostics that uh, this device goes through to uh, to check the health of that device to see whether it's running or not. You know, when we when we start up our cars, these tests are run, and we always hope not to see some strange light on the dashboard that we've never seen before. But these, these diagnostics, these tests, these, these indicators are, are there for a reason. Uh, a 2008 Harris interactive survey sponsored by carmd.com found that 10% of the 2041 U.S. adults polled were driving a car with its check engine light on. They said an alarming 50% of those cars were showing signs of an impending breakdown and they indicated that that light had been on for over three months. Another 10% said the light had been on between one and two months. Now, Kristen Brokoff, marketing manager for CarMD, says it's particular, that's a particularly sobering statistic because the U.S. government put the onboard diagnostic system in place to alert drivers when their vehicle was emitting too many emissions or had a problem. The light can, uh, can indicate signify something potentially costly, possibly dangerous to the passenger or passengers or others on the road. You know, it's important that drivers take it seriously. And the survey found drivers had a whole litany of excuses for ignoring this light. Some some turned a blind eye towards the indicator because of the uh, severity of the problem seemed questionable due, due to the car running fine others pointed to a lack of insufficient funds still others simply noted they just didn't have time to worry about diagnostics and subsequent repairs and just as we can just as we can ignore uh, the signs when our physical health is at risk or we just keep driving the car when that light is on uh, there will be disaster we just as we can do that, we can ignore the warning signs that God has given us uh, concerning our spiritual lives. If we don't heed these warnings, the, the consequences are going to far exceed burning up your engine or, or having a heart attack. You know, ignoring these warnings will have an eternal consequence. Today's text is First uh, John, chapter two, verses three to three through eleven where where John gives us three spiritual health checks. Three spiritual diagnostics, if if you will. Read with me, John first John two, starting in verse three. By this we know that we have come to him or come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you Uh, Lord I pray as we uh, as we open up your word that you would enlighten your word Lord help us to uh, hear from you Lord open our open our ears to to receive what you have for us this morning and change us Lord in Jesus name Well we need to come to God today and utmost humility and and evaluate these three things you know do we know God do we abide in God and are we in the light and God has given us clear ways to make these evaluations and we need to take them very very seriously so check number one do we know God do we know Christ you know, probably everybody in here is going to say, well, of course I do. You know, some some might even be offended by the question. But uh, there are, I suppose, millions of people who go to church every Sunday and sit and listen to messages and sing the songs and go through the motions who have, have never met Jesus, who do not know him. And I've talked to uh, many pastors about, you know, one of the things that keeps pastors up at night is the thought that there there may be people out there in the chairs in, in the in the pews who who have never received the Lord Jesus as as their Savior. You know, maybe looking uh, good on the outside, but spiritually dead. Not ever having known Jesus Christ. And you know, Jesus has a very stern warning in, in Matthew seven, twenty-one through twenty-three about this. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus wants a relationship with us. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to be in fellowship with Him. You know, in the Gospel of John in chapter 10, Jesus speaks of His sheep and of Himself as the shepherd of these sheep, the good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. You know, so it's one thing to know about Jesus, another thing altogether to know him. So there are plenty of people who've gone for gone for years learning about Jesus, learning the Bible stories, hearing about the cross, hearing about forgiveness of sin. All across America, all across the world. People are sitting in churches hearing about God but many don't know him. And we we have some friends a a dear couple in, in Montana we used to meet with weekly in prayer and uh, wonderful Christian couple. Uh, they, were, they were saved out of a, a, a mainline church. And if you ask them their story, they'll, they'll tell you that for years they knew about Jesus. For years they learned about him. They went to church every week and they sang the songs and they sat through the teaching and they enjoyed the quiet reverence of sitting in the church and hearing the organ music and looking at the beautiful stained glass, enjoying that, that peaceful, serene atmosphere in, in their church. They were very religious. They're very dedicated to showing up every week. But they didn't know Jesus. And when they met them, their their lives were completely transformed. just full of the joy of the Lord, knowing Jesus. So yeah, there are many who would say, but they would say, yes, I know God. Yes, I know Jesus. But their lives would, seem to indicate otherwise. Jesus, or excuse me, John here gives us this test, this this indicator. He says, by this we know that we have come to know him because we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. Do we know Christ? Our indicator is that we are keeping his commandments. You know, John isn't just coming up with this out of, out of thin air. He's remembering what Jesus said in, that he reported, that John reported in the Gospel of John. John fourteen fifteen. Jesus says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments and i will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you you know this is this is the mark of our our love for christ it's it's the evidence for our our relationship with him you know if if we are though habitually disobeying his his commandments what does that say about us we're we're living in rebellion you know we we have that's pretty good evidence that, that we don't know him and and that the holy spirit is not working in our lives as as Jesus said he would and you know yes we all sin john has made that clear earlier we all slip up remember that that verse uh That if we say we don't have sin, we're, we're lying. But you know, the good news is we have an advocate. It's in that relationship with Him that we have that advocacy. He'll He'll plead our case. Uh, from last week, chapter two, one and two. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Thank God we have an advocate. <laughs> Thank God that God wants a relationship with us and wants to know us. So that's the first spiritual health check. If we're not keeping his commandments, we don't know him. Next is check two Do we abide in him? You know we need, we need to remain close to Jesus. We we need to keep a a short account. You know if we if we sin and we keep sinning and we let that sin go unchecked, we're going to drift from Him. Our relationship with Him is going to uh, kind of fade away, right? You know, having having been in the military for a lot of years and moving around a lot you know chris and i have known a lot of people we've known a whole lot of people and uh, sadly we've we've lost contact with most of them you know for instance there was this uh, couple that we used to hang out with pat and ann they they live in port angeles now and for for several years we kept in very close contact real good friends with with these guys but you know they moved one place we moved another uh, we would call every once in a while, we even went up there to, to Port Angeles and visited them once, went fishing with pat and you know but over time, uh, you know the Christmas cards stopped the the newsletters stopped. that was just a long time ago We, we drifted, we drifted apart, and you know, i 've got to say we don 't really know them anymore. I think that if we were to run into them, probably we wouldn 't even recognize them. There was another couple, Bob and Beth, who we knew about the same time. We knew them really well. They they were our neighbors in, in base housing, and uh, just maybe about a year ago, we were wondering about them and kind of tried to look them up. They're both dead. They they both died a couple years ago, and we didn't even know it. We had no idea. But we don't want to drift away from Christ. We don't want to lose that that relationship, that close relationship. We want to abide in him. Are we doing that? I guess guess maybe we need to ask what it means to abide in Christ. What does that mean? It means to remain in him, to stay in him, to maintain that that close relationship. Are we we walking with him day by day, moment by moment? Are Are we consciously living in his presence? praying all the time or do we forget about him and just forget often that that he exists you know living like a a, a virtual agnostic or, or atheist living as if we don't we don't care whether he's there or not ignoring him doing our own thing when we go to John 15, 4 to 7, we see what Jesus has to say about abiding with him. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide with me, in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. John says, by this, that we we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So do we abide in Christ. Here's here's our indicator. We will walk the way Jesus walked. You know, are we living in the same manner that that he lived? Are we living in the same mindset and attitude that he had? Remember Philippians 2, have this mind which was in Christ who emptied himself and came as as a servant. Are we are we like him? Do we live the way he lived? You know, read the Gospels. What does Jesus say he came to do? Not his will, but the Father's will. Are are we doing that? Are we here to do the Father's will? Are we motivated by doing what God wants? Or are we motivated by the things that we want, the things that will benefit us the most? Jesus came to earth for for many reasons. You know, one was to seek and save that which is lost. He was was sent by the Father so that whoever believes in him won't perish but will have everlasting life. That's huge. That's huge. Are we here for other people? He came to give us an abundant life, way more than we can even imagine. He's, He's also come to give us an example to follow. And that's what John is addressing here, walking The way Jesus walked means following his example in all things. So it would be good to look here at what Jesus said about following his example. Jesus himself, when he washed the feet of the the disciples, remember that story. He put himself out there as, as an example before us. He was a servant. He came as a servant. And He said in John 13, 12 through 17, Do you not understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say, To you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Oh, we've got a great example to follow in in Jesus. Check number three. Are we in the light? Are we in the light? This this old new commandment John is hearkening to comes from Jesus. Jesus' teaching in John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus says to his disciples, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples because you love one another. When Jesus said this was a new commandment, you know, how was this different from the old commandment? The old commandment was to love your neighbor as yourself. Remember the Shema in Deuteronomy: love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, is what Jesus said when another disciple had asked him earlier. But Jesus is raising the bar. He says, "A new standard for love is to love each other as I have loved you." You see the difference. You see how that that sh- that just takes it to a whole new level. Yeah, loving your loving somebody as yourself is is one thing. Loving them as Jesus loved you is another. You know, Jesus said, "No greater love is a man that he would give a li- give his life for a friend." You know, Jesus set the standard of, of love. Remember from last time John said, uh, or no, this this is from today. Whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we're in him. Whoever abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. John is saying, I'm not bringing a new commandment. It was new in the beginning when Jesus walked on earth and talked to his disciples but it's been around; it's it's established now. But at the same time, it is new, isn't not it? You know, we we just don't have this down yet. We all struggle with this. We all have a hard time loving each other the way Jesus loved us, you know, laying our life down. So do we walk in the light? The indicator is we will love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 8, he says, At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is shining. As we get closer in fellowship to God... Our sin is exposed by God's light. John wrote about that earlier. When we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our our fellowship with Him gets closer still. And so John gives us this test. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. In, in chapter 1, verse 6, uh, John had spoken about people who claim to have fellowship with God, yet war- walked in the darkness. You know, And if so, they were making a false claim. Uh, if they're walking in darkness, they, they don't have fellowship with God. They're, they're far from him. He said, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. But here he's more specific. More specific about the sin. You know, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. You know, John is stating what this... What this darkness is in this case, it's it's this ongoing hatred. And and he uses the, the present tense of this this verb to hate of fellow believers, this ongoing hatred of fellow believers. If you have that, you're walking in darkness. Oh, and you you know, you might think you have good reason to, to hate your brother. You know you might feel that it's your right to hate your brother, but you know what God does not give us that option you know one's hatred of, of fellow believers indicates for sure that we're still in the darkness if we hate our brother we're we're actively living in sin we're actively living in rebellion we're we're not walking in the light we're not walking with god we're not abiding in christ we cannot love god and hate our brother or sister now conversely john says in verse 10 whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in, in him there's no cause for stumbling you know this this great commandment love god with all your heart soul mind and strength love your neighbor as as yourself, more importantly, love your brother as Christ loved you. That This needs to be in the forefront of our minds. Remember in the Shema, God said, you know, talk about this all the time. Talk about it with your kids on the road, in the fields, at home. Nail it to your doorpost. Put it, you know, put it on your forehead. He's just saying, you know, this, this, this needs to be, an overwhelming desire for you as as a follower as a servant of God to obey this commandment to love him with everything to love others if we're living in disobedience to this command though we're going against God if we are with God we're going to be living in love we're going to be walking in God's light And John says that when we're walking in the light, in us is no cause for stumbling. When we hate, we are our own cause for stumbling. You know, in in your mind's eye, think about about being in a dark room with all the, what's that? Like that cave. I'm thinking about walking in a room and stubbing my toes and hitting my shins and you know, just stumbling over, over things because I can't see, there's no light. Stepping on the kids' Legos with bare feet, you know. You know, that's not ju- what John is talking about. Those, those are external things that we're stumbling he's, over. He's, he's saying that, he's talking about a cause for stumbling that's in you an internal cause of, of stumbling. you know, our, our stumbling blocks many times are within us. And Jesus gives us a good picture of this, in, in, or excuse me, James gives us a good picture of this in James 4, 1 through 2. He says, what causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? you desire and you do not have so you murder you covet and, and cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel James is describing these these selfish desires that go unmet and cause conflict within us what would those desires be called They're things that displace our love for God they're idols James is describing this this internal selfish desire that goes unmet and causes conflict within us, which becomes fighting and quarreling and love is gone. You know, hatred has taken its place and fellowship with God is broken. Fellowship with our, our brothers and sisters is broken. Verse eleven: Whoever hates his brother is in darkness, and walks in darkness does does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This blindness, what is it? Well, it's not something we would have if we were walking with God and we were in His light. Maybe this blindness makes us confuse love with hate. You know, if we truly love, what we will do will we'll build each other up, not tear each other down. If your brother has a fault, and we all have many faults, we need to apply love when we point it out. Titus three two says, avoid quarreling. Be gentle. Show perfect courtesy towards all people. You know, one... One internal stumbling block is the the need to be right, the the desire to control, the the need to win. Is that does that ring true? Galatians six one says, "Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted." We need to be motivated by love. The Bible says, "Let all you do be done in love." Well, so here are these these health checks, these spiritual health checks. Three of them, we uh, we ignore these indicators at at our own peril. Um, one of our one of our children had a car, and it had this. This strange little warning light it was shaped like an oil can, and so the light went on this this oil can lit up it was red, but that's okay. It went out after about a minute i i did I didn't know about this at the time, but uh you know it went on a little later, and it went off, and it just you know started coming on more frequently. After a while, it was on the whole time. It was on continuously, and so our our child said, well, I think what that means is I should probably get my oil checked when I get a chance, and uh, you can guess the outcome. Well, John gives us these three indicators of spiritual health. You know, do we know Christ? If we don't keep his commandments, we don't. Do we abide in Christ? If we don't walk like him in the same manner as him, we don't abide in Christ. Are we in the light? Well, if, if we hate our Christian brother or sister, we don't. We aren't. If we ignore these, these health checks, these, these warning lights, uh, the outcome is going to be disaster. Uh, so each of us, each of us needs to daily examine our hearts. Invite God to shine his light into the deepest, darkest corners of, of our hearts. Help, ask him to uh, reveal those things that are in us that are sinful. Help him to reveal those things that uh, maybe are even matters of, of neglect in our, our spiritual lives. You know, Psalm 139, 23 to 24 the psalmist prays to God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Our, our Father, in Jesus' name, um, I pray that for myself, Lord. Search my heart. Lord, search our hearts. Uh, for they are, they are deceitful and desperately wicked. Lord, show us those, those areas in our, our lives where we have not yet yielded and submitted to you. Uh, take our minds, Lord, and, and transform them. Conform us, Lord, into, uh, into the image of Christ. Uh, for his glory we pray, Amen. Yeah, the, uh, the the apostle paul wrote to the uh, church in corinth about the lord's supper he, he really had a lot to say about it uh, in 1 corinthians 10:17 or 16 and 17 he says the cup of blessing that we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ. And the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. You know, this is is a declaration of unity. This is a declaration as coming together as as the body of Christ when we come together for communion. We come together to remember the... uh, the gospel, the gospel of reconciliation, where our relationship with God was, was broken by sin and Jesus came and on the cross, reconciliation was made possible. We come to remember this gospel of reconciliation. We we come together in, in unity. One body, one bread. But in in chapter 11 of of the same book, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he he writes about division in the church. And he's still talking about the Lord's Supper. He says, in the first place, when you come together, I, I hear that there are divisions among you. And he talks about, in that same chapter, how we might eat and Drink, eat the bread and drink the cup in a manner which is unworthy. Verse 27 of chapter 11 says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat the bread and drink the cup, for anyone who eats and drinks, Without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment upon himself. And um, you know this this phrase to these phrases to examine oneself to discern the, the body of Christ they they do not merely mean to uh, to solemnly recognize the uh, the bread and cup as representing the, the body and blood of Jesus it means that but it means much more you know to to examine myself means to examine my my compliance with with the covenant uh, as as reflected in my ways of relating to other members of the community and discerning to discern the body of Christ must include recognizing that those other members in the community represent Christ himself since we have been united with him, it must be treated as people for whom Christ chose to give up his life and to shed his blood. So, before eating the bread and drinking the cup, you know, we need to examine our hearts. You know, are we seeking love and unity and reconciliation or are we driving wedges of, of discord and division and rending the body of Christ yeah are we are we carefully considering the, the body of Christ? If we're not then we eat and drink judgment upon ourselves. So as Gretchen plays and we pass out the elements let's let's search our hearts. 1 Thessalonians five uh, twenty three. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen.